Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. Um, this is episode 376. We do this live at 8.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on every Friday. I've got a great panel of panelists and I've got a guest panelist. Um, we've got the wizard, the wizard of WordPress, JJ, I, John <laughs> Jacobson. Uh, John, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Sure. John James Jacoby, uh, WordPress core contributor, security team member, BuddyPress, BBPress, uh, work at Sandhills Development, working on a bunch of Pip and stuff, uh, Sugar Calendar, EDD, uh, you name it. A busy man. It's a, a lot busy. of people eagerly awaiting Sugar Calendar. It's cool. It's, uh, it, let me know if you want a zip of it. I'll send you the, I'll send you the beta. Ooh. <clears throat> oh, dude. He's all, he's all free, freebies as well, folks. Oh, there we go. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> and he's a friend of the show. He's been on the show before, so he knows what he's let himself in for. So, uh, um, um, Spencer, um, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Of course. Spencer Foreman, WP Launchify. Anybody who needs help with uh, WordPress membership sites, e-commerce, social networking stuff. That's great. And I've got my friend, John Locke, the man that calms me down when I have my... <laughs> John, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Yeah. John Locke in the house. Lockdown Design and SEO. We help manufacturing and industrial firms with uh, SEO. There you go. That's great. And Sally, would you like to introduce yourself to the new listeners and viewers? Sure. I'm Sally Getch, the woman who winds you up. Um, and... Uh, uh, for those on audio, uh, <laughs> it doesn't take a lot, does it, Sally? Um, <laughs> uh, I'm the WP fangirl and the organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup in Oakland, California. And I am presently uh, Gutenberging all the things uh, that used to be uh, ACF and other stuff. Oh, God, I am not doing that. So that. <laughs> <It's> so that. <laughs> it, I'm works, not it works very well, actually, and it, it, it is providing a much nicer user interface if you want a new website we do it for you but there we go uh, um, on to the stories folks oh before those I want to talk about one of our great sponsors and that would be WP Fusion and what is WP Fusion well in your technology stack obviously you should have WordPress but you should have a, it's, it's 2019 folks and you should have a CRM something like Active Campaign Drip there's a load of them, MailChimp. Uh, um, you should have a load of that, that in your technology stack. And if you've got a membership website, a learning management system, e-commerce, um, you need those two key technologies to be able to communicate with one another flawlessly and do all the crazy optimization and marketing strategies that you need in place in 2019. So how do you achieve that? Well, you achieve that with WP Fusion. It really puts everything that you want to do with optimization and it puts it on steroids. Now, if that sounds interesting for you or one of your clients you, or you are a power client, you have an e-commerce website as an example, go to WP Fusion and they've given us a fantastic deal that, that you can only get through WP Tonic and that's a coupon code WP Tonic or uppercase. And if you go to the WP Fusion website, you get 25% of any of their packages and you can only get that through WP Tonic. Remember, use the token code WP Tonic. Now, let's get into our first story. And um, that's Panfell raises 40 million to manage Drupal and WordPress websites. What do you think of this one, John? It's John. You're going to be the John. Okay, I'm going to be Jonathan. Okay, all right. What do I think? Yeah, what do I think about this? Um, You know, there's very few hosts that have not raised money uh, at this point, and uh, eventually, I I, I think the 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 concern is that they either have to ramp up growth, so you know, get that affiliate commission going, uh, or 
you know, eventually, you know, um, you might turn into something like EIG. And though that hasn't uh, happened per se with any of the hosts uh, in the in the WordPress space that that are known for for quality like Pantheon is, uh, it is it, it is rather interesting. I I you know I I, I never get the, the the need to raise money. Um, you know maybe it's just uh, not who I am. But you know hey, let's let's see if they can uh, grow their business. Is is definitely a, a good host. Yeah. So. So what did you think of this, JJ? They, you know, they raised some more money, but they're going, they're, they say they're going into a competitive area. It would be a slightly understatement, wouldn't it? The Forty million is a lot of million for hosting websites. Uh, they're uh, if they're happy, I'm happy. I guess would be my answer. Uh, there, are, there are web hosts that um, uh, that are, are are fiercely independent and are proud of not raising money, right? And so, not, that, not to mention any names. Right, but that that generally personally aligns with my own uh, mantra, I suppose. But um, the they're they're they are uh, in the long. They're playing for the long haul, and in order to do that, that takes a runway. That takes money. That takes funding. And so, um, it's a lot of money. Uh, so I guess I'm excited to see what they're going to do with it for real. Because uh, their their hosting dashboard is like one of the best that's out there. Uh, they already do an amazing amount of like outreach and uh, their customer service is awesome. I want, I kind of want to know what they're actually planning to do with that much money. Yeah. I had the CEO on the show uh, over a year ago and he was a great guy and they seem a pretty progressive company. Well, Spencer, you know, you, you keep talking about the, um, uh, you know, it's all the same hosting. So what, what, what are they going to do with this 40 million or are they doomed Spencer? Well, you've read my mind. See, I like to answer You are these. the one who's always telling us about how hosting is a commodity. Uh, commodity. I, like, I like to reach back into our past and bring some interesting little nuggets to this uh, souffle we're making. So to the point of like taking venture capital or not, to my mind's eye, WordPress hosting has evolved into a commodity item in the same way that text messaging used to be a unique product you'd sell. And now text messaging is just part of the infrastructure background. I think it's without a doubt in my mind when we talk about like last week, Gatsby and static caching or whatever, that as the horsepower of the hosting world evolves, it will so far exceed anything necessary to run anything when combined with things like dynamic caching or JavaScript or you know, browser-based kind of interactions versus the traditional server only, that at the end of the day, the only thing that makes sense as to why anybody would spend $1 million, let alone $40 million, is that they hope and believe that they will have essentially a corral of people that they can do something with or to in the future that has absolutely nothing to do with hosting. All right. And that the you know, walled garden thing, I think, is a deja vu re-experience of what happened in the early 2000s when, you know, OAuth happened, even when WordPress was first born versus things like, you know, Ning and other social networks. I don't know that people are ready to go back into that world of like, you own me because you have a hosting company. Having said that, I think the real problem is I don't really think what they offer is that great. Here's why. If you go to something like a Cloudways, and I'm not naming them because I'm particularly loyal, they essentially are a middleman dashboard layer that makes it easy for a mere mortal to get cloud hosting from their choice of cloud hosts, Google or Vulture or AWS or whatever, without having to be a developer or use the console. Pantheon is much more developer-centric. And from my mind's eye, a mere mortal can go to Cloudways. One of my clients, I can put them on Cloudways, and for 40 bucks a month, they get basic Google Cloud or high-end vulture scalability, and then they don't care anymore. Just like, I don't care who's my text host deliverer. I just know the text messages work. So I really think we should just look at this for whatever the story's worth as what it is. They realize hosting is going away because there doesn't need to be 30, 40, 50 unique players anymore. It's like, you're going to have cloud or you won't. And then at that point, they're going to figure out, well, we have 100,000 people that are subscribed to us. What can we do to make money yeah, well, I, I understand where you're coming from. The only area that I, you know, cloud, you know, I think you're right to some extent, but I think you dismiss dismiss 
the need for support. I, I think, um, and support is a bit like insurance. You really only know... Support for what, though? Well, when something goes wrong with your bloody website, it's... You well, know, but you make- that's your website. That's, the, that's what my argument is. My argument is that D- Jason Cohn, brilliant. WP Engine, brilliant. I was there when he created it. I was one of the first people that I think I read, I was a big fan, heard about it. And when he was first trying to figure out the market, just like with Pagely and other things, there was a time and a place when managed hosting for WordPress was a big deal. As WordPress evolves and becomes self-contained with layers of professionals to handle WordPress, the hosting component becomes just like, 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 like a transactional pathway that stuff happens on. But nobody that I have ever heard of in the last year of my clients ever gets on the phone and goes, gee, support team from Managed WP or WP Engine or God knows who it is. Can you please help me with a, my WordPress site? They talk to the person that's running their WordPress site. Yeah, yeah but, what, but sometimes you do. Uh, you know, yes, you, I, I have clients that talk directly to the, to the support uh, at their uh, hosts because sometimes there are things that are like, well, it's a server issue. I don't do server issues. Now, sometimes they ask me to talk to the support for them. Uh, But then, you know, from the developer's perspective, and that is always what Pantheon has been aiming at, you know, the developers want you a host that's going to provide support people who actually understand the stuff that you're talking to them about. And then that means that they have to be, you know, pay them somewhat more. uh, And in turn, they have to charge their customers somewhat more but the you know i think the commoditization which does happen with pretty much everything is uh, part of why you see these uh, hosting companies really starting to to try to add you know differentiation you know liquid web is is going all in on the you know the woocommerce specialization and and you know Pagely has aimed at the the high end enterprise, you know, must be uh, operational all the time and have the fallbacks and and failovers and things and you know and and so on and so it's sort of like yeah you have to have uh, you know you have to have something because more and more hosts are providing some kind of of server level you know boost for WordPress. Uh, and even though I don't understand servers, you know that that thing, that kind of thing, has become more uh, more common. And <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I mean, there is a you you have to do something to differentiate yourself and to and to niche and to to offer some kind of extras, um, because otherwise people are going to look at it and say, yeah, we're not going to pay you the amount of money that you need to actually keep this going. I think yeah. Spencer is right. Though. I think Spencer made a good point, but it reminds me of like cellular carriers. Like my parents have been on our shared cellular plan for over 15 years at this point. They don't know that AT&T is their cell phone carrier. And there are definitely going to be people that are using WordPress who don't know who their web host is because they've never needed to think about it before. And then there will be people who do care about it, who are loyal to one or the other. But at the same time, you can take your cell phone number or telephone number anywhere. You can port it from one place to the other. And so web hosts are trying to make it easy to import your WordPress site in or out so that you can go wherever you want to. And so for people who don't care, they're allowed to not care. And for people who care a lot, they are allowed to care a lot, but as soon as somebody ticks them off, they're able to take their site and go someplace else where they feel like someone is going to take care of them better. It reminds me a lot of cell phone carriers. I think Spencer's right. All right. That's great. Spencer's right. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Uh, are we keeping You have to watch it. Yeah, exactly um, On to the next story. And I, I literally kind of spilt my coffee when I read this. I was choked on my coffee. Uh, um, Mark Zuckerberg outlines privacy-focused revamp for Facebook. Um, I had to check the calendar and make sure it wasn't April 1st. Yeah, Are we sure okay. his name isn't Mark Facebook? <laughs> Not Mark oh, yeah, I was, was going to do. <laughs> yeah, do no, we got we got Tin Apple. We, are we going to have Matt, Matt WordPress? Are we? Do you think we should have Matt WordPress, Mark Facebook? Is that going to be the trade there that you're going to brand yourself? <laughs> with Jonathan your- Tonic. <laughs> Tonic. <laughs> I kind of 
of like that. I do yeah, too. I do as well. You brought a smile to my face, mate. You don't, you don't often do that. There we go. Uh, um, so, uh, I don't know who to start. Let's start with Spencer. I literally choked to my coffee here. What, what did you reckon, Spencer? Is he gaslight? Is he really? You know, this is just gaslight. You know, it's I read that. And I, I read that, and I sent you a, another link that was probably in the show notes about like first time measurably, you know, U.S. Facebook users drop. I just think this is everybody has their opinion, but like on a personal test, I told you guys a couple months ago. I tried that test where I took my iPhone and I turned the screen black and white to see if the lack of colors would psychologically affect my desire to piddle around on it. And it was effective. I really enjoyed it and I still do it occasionally. But lately I've also been experimenting with that weaning myself off of, you know, do I use Facebook or not? And what I have found, at least for me, with very few business exceptions, once I just stopped using it and moved over to reading my Kindle or even watching a YouTube video, the compulsion to go back there is less and less because it's sort of, sort of like when you break up with somebody and then you realize them for who they were and you go like, how did I date them for so long? Facebook knows they're in trouble. I really do believe that. I think they see the tide is moving and now they're going to have these like desperate gasps. And we can look at lots of other historical companies that had their issues where they, you know, going, going, gone. I can't predict their demise because they're very embedded, but I don't see the you know, the new third world people who are coming online going to Facebook right away. So if we reduce the user here and they're not getting in there, well, you know, it's just yeah. a, an attrition. Well, I think, you know, yeah, um, JJ, do you think this is pure gaslighting at its best? I, I, well, I mean, they, Facebook doesn't have the best track record when it comes to like, we're finally going to care about privacy this time, we promise. You know, like how many times have they redone their privacy dashboard for users and it's just a hot mess. It's completely unnavigable and it's impossible to actually figure any of the stuff out. I uh, kind of did something similar to Spencer. I deleted the Facebook app from my phone completely. I was just like, I can't do it anymore. I'm done. I'm out. I and deleted. not do this. I reached rock bottom. <laughs> I can't do Move it. to YouTube now. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I've reached the limit. T- I've got to change my life. And it was... Uh, it's kind of too little too late, I think. But uh, Facebook is so deeply embedded and integrated into the web, unfortunately, now. Uh, that was exactly their plan this whole time, was to have everyone logging in and commenting and using their Facebook account for everything across the web. And it, frankly, worked for a little while for a lot of folks. Uh, but I think we all look back at it and we go, well, that none of this ever really worked very well. And it was never actually good for us. Uh, and but so it never, we're, it was never supposed to work, wasn't it? Yeah. Their, whole, their, their whole business model is about not privacy, isn't that's it? Right. Can't have that's a business good. model that's not about privacy. Then suddenly say, well, we're going to make privacy our key. Right. And you know, the only company out there that's been a hundred percent on the privacy bandwagon open with it is Apple and Apple's numbers. If you look at like, I mean, they're, they're not necessarily growing when it comes to laptop sales or anything else. And so why Facebook would suddenly go the direction that they're already going to say, like, we're going to suddenly care about privacy when caring about privacy isn't about the numbers. It's about treating people fairly. Uh, and when has Facebook ever treated people fairly, I guess? So it just seems like an odd pivot at an odd time. No, it's strange. It's straws. It's almost like he's, you know, he's been pre-warned that something, something's coming. What do you reckon about all this, John? You know, this is just pure garbage, isn't it? Yeah, they don't care about privacy. And think about it. If you really look at every social network, they have a shelf life. Google Plus has already been shelved. Uh, MySpace is dead. Everything Google produces has a short shelf life. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, but, but I mean, honestly, look at the roots of where Facebook came from. It was a really shitty, hot or not clone. That's mm-hmm. what it was. That's how it started. So there's no reason to think that they ever cared about privacy. Uh, and all social networks, to a degree, uh, sell your data. I mean, that's... Mm. The whole thing. But Facebook by far is the worst. This is an attempt for them to not get regulated by the EU or the US. Mm-hmm. Good luck with that. It's a supply. But, you know, on the bigger spectrum, that, you know, that, that is the whole problem with free because nothing is free, is it? 
And does, the, does this include WordPress, JJ? You know, is there a problem with the whole concept of free? Well, I mean, no, but yes, right? Like the, the, the nice thing about it being free, obviously, is that it is yours to do with it what you will. Frankly, all of us should probably be blogging more and not updating anything on Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn or anywhere. But uh, at the same time, then you're just blogging into your own blog and you're not generating any discussion or anything out of it because... <laughs> Nobody uses RSS the way that they wanted to, and nobody comes back and reads your blog unless they manually click the stupid link and go back and look at it. So uh, it just doesn't... And, and WordPress.com never connected the social features the way that they could have to actually get subscribing or commenting or generate the kind of discussion that social networks are commonly known for. So I don't know that free or not free changes it. All I know is that like the the alternative being that you have a blog and your blog is its own silo that no one is going to visit unless they manually do it is not a good experience for folks either. Yeah. Well, let's go on story three and I'm going to need help from Sally here. How do you pronounce this guy's name, Sally? Uh, let me take a check. Story three. Uh, Straight. Hempenstrite. Oh, all right. I'm talking to Michael Hempenstrite. I'm sorry I butchered your name, Guy. About WordPress after selling mhthemes.com. What did you think of this one, JJ? I don't know anything about it. Oh, well, that's easy. Well, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> Not a thing. Hey, some of us read the homework. Um. <laughs> yeah, which, maybe, which maybe is not a good answer, but maybe also says something. I guess. I don't know. Well, I've used this theme. I used this theme on a client's website a, a while ago. Yeah, what, what do you reckon about this one, Sally? Well, it's, you know, this is another sort of case of, okay, hey, I had a, uh, I had a business. I'm selling it. Um, you know, it's a theme business. And I think part of the reason that he chose to let go of it was it's like, oh, you know, am I going to, am I, you know, I, I really don't want to go through this process of, of retooling everything for Gutenberg. And I've been doing this for a while and it's not as much fun anymore anyway. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, uh, somebody, somebody offered to, to buy it and bought it. It's, it's not a, uh, you know, $40 million investment. Um, but. Uh, well, can I know, say why I included this story? Please um, do. Um, JJ, um, you know, with modern page builders, we're in Gutenberg. Where where do you think themes actually stand now? And do you think the kind of glory days of themes with Gutenberg, with other page builders, what is the need of a theme really? What what is you know? Has it is it going to dramatically change? How about coherence? Hmm. Um, <laughs> structure. I mean, I think. And uh, Adam used to tell us about this a lot about what themes would be, and that they would they would be more of a sort of canvas. And yet, just having a page builder does not make you a designer. No, and a- by by no means every user of, of of WordPress wants to tinker around with. Okay, I'm going to make the headers look like this, and I'm going to. And many of them, you don't want them to, even if that's mm-hmm. the desire. Yeah, I think the, the the idea with WordPress themes is that they they have been what they've been for so long that the way that Gutenberg works kind of is exactly the opposite of what WordPress themes have always been. We understand that there is a template hierarchy. We understand that categories and pages <coughs> things all have a .php file that belong in a place that do a thing. And Gutenberg says none of that matters anymore because your blocks can be wherever you want them to be so long as your piece of content supports blocks. And so I don't think that anyone really has 100% of an accurate vision on what Gutenberg means for themes, frankly. I think we can all speculate. We can all kind of imagine and see the direction it's trying to go. But frankly, none of the, even the best ones, like Atomic Blocks or anything else, like the best block libraries are kind of just making more blocks. They're not doing anything super crazy with blocks. The WooCommerce folks have done some pretty neat stuff. uh, But again, it's just a block. And so what does that mean for your WordPress site? What does that mean for uh, putting block content in specific types of posts? Uh, I don't know that we've realized any of that yet. 
Well, it is it is interesting. I mean, as I said, I've been doing some you know conversion work on themes and 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 building new things, and and it's sort of like okay, so what is the what are the criteria for deciding what should become a block and what should remain post meta? What are the criteria for deciding what should be a block and what should be a, a custom post type? And uh, so far, what I've come up with is that one of the main things is, um, do you want to be able to retrieve it and present it in different places in different ways? Because if it's in a block, it's just in the content. You can, unless you save it as a reusable block, you can't pull it out. You can't pull part of the block out and, and, and show it somewhere else. So in those cases, you may want something to remain post-meta, or you may say, we're still going to have a testimonial post-type, but because we may want to show the same testimonials in multiple places, mm-hmm. but we're also going to have to create a block that shows a testimonial loop. Um, so it is something that requires a bunch of figuring out and then a mm-hmm. bunch of um, what belongs in the theme and what belongs in the in the plugins and the joys of... of- of queuing and, and, and queuing multiple uh, Gutenberg uh, style sheets in uh, mm-hmm. CPT. Uh, Nathan Rice like had a good had a good blog post where he talks about just doing inline styling and scripts, just right along with your Gutenberg blog. Just throw it all in line. It's not in your header or footer anymore. It's just all chunked together with the block, which is not what we know. Right? That's what never, everything we have been taught is that we shouldn't do it that way. But frankly, if you're going to load all of it in chunks, why? What does it matter? Why not do it that way? But then, like we've we've talked for, I mean, multiple multiple times over the course of eighteen months now about like how would you even do a block for BuddyPress or BBPress? How? Why? Why would why would they need a block? Like. Uh, am I going to insert a private message conversation into a post via a block? It doesn't. It, it it doesn't make any sense for a lot of the other types of plugins that aren't just specific to content on a website. Uh, the WooCommerce guys uh, or folks did. They they, had, they built really cool, sophisticated blocks for putting together grids of uh, of of products and the yes. pricing buttons and everything. And that's pretty cool, right? But then I, I, have a, like, I have a, 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 the same client who's always yeah. telling me like how much <clears throat> nicer Wix is to use than WordPress was, was yeah. really big on the blocks and the, the WooCommerce blocks for her, her one WordPress site. But it, but it does add a layer of confusion where if you are inserting those blocks into a page, now as a user, you have to remember that the block in the page is not really the, the product in your database and so like you have to you just have to remember that you have inserted a link back to these products in some random page somewhere your homepage or otherwise that isn't actually you had to remember that when you were using a shortcode to insert the woocommerce product you too you did but i think because blocks are so substantial they are a big design element where you have to point and click and and then you have to you know all the gizmos and knobs you got to you got to do all that with a short code you just typed it in and so it, the the interface of it being uh, a a thing that you talk that you actually touch and manipulate changes it a little bit and uh, and i could imagine users being confused about it maybe not but i, I don't think they're going to be more confused than they were confused about shortcuts <laughs> you know I went to edit my homepage and I You're look at it right. and there's just all this 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 gobbledygook code in there. Probably yeah, right. I think I think if you compare it to short codes, anything's better. But they, you know, it's like it's, I, you know, it's I, like, I agree. There's a potential for confusion. It's like comparing <laughs> Donald Trump to the uh, Hitler, isn't it? You know, yeah, he's a better uh, he's a better alternative. What do you reckon, Spencer? This is what? the story of the evolution <laughs> from a sandwich vending machine in a high school cafeteria to a self-serve delicatessen where you make your own sandwiches. When WordPress started, you were happy to go to the vending machine, put in a quarter and get out something that you could just eat. Oh, egg salad sandwich circa 1997. Good enough. Uh, you could not get a sandwich for 25 Hold on, hold on. Back when I was a kid. As it evolved, we had the whole debate of, what is a theme supposed to do? What's a plugin supposed to do? What's the functions PHP? What's the template hierarchy supposed to do? And we worked out a lot of those things in the early 2000s into 2010 range. 
Then we started to see the page builders come along and now they've started to grab some of the things and blur the lines. Well, I know what the header is. That's my bread on the top and the footer is the bread on the bottom. But what happens in between? Maybe the sidebar is a third piece of bread. What happens in between? Is that the theme? Is it the plugin? Is it the page builder? Should this be WYSIWYG? Should it not? The evolution to the Gutenberg plus Divi Beaver Builder Elementor means to me where we are today. It is a open sort of salad bar deli. You pick your bread, which is probably the theme, but even that's questionable because most of the page builders now have theme building capability. It's just a shell to hold the meat and the stuff. Then you pick with whatever it is, Gutenberg, whatever. What's the meat? What goes above what? You put it in there, but now I can reuse it. And then the CSS, if you're capable, or the controls are the mayonnaise, the mustard, the whatever. But the point is, now everybody has a choice. Do I use the bread from the theme or is it from the page builder? Do I need, when I'm using BB Press, do I need to put stuff in via short code or do I still use the template and move it over from the plugin over to the child theme and do I still bother with CSS? The way it's going is really going to be dependent on two things. Throw in page caching now. We're talking about Gatsby again last week. Mm-hmm. Throw in page caching with dynamic content and membership, and now you want to blow your mind because if you build that sandwich and you decided to build it in a certain way, as John was, uh, JJ was alluding to, like, oh, well, that was a static product uh, shop page, but now you're actually dynamically adding stuff with Facet WP that has dynamic search. It's like, oh, mind blown. Mm-hmm. I think this all is going to resolve that themes as we know them will be gone. There is really no reason for themes anymore. You just need a piece of bread at the top and the bottom to hold it. And then you have to pick your poison for what you put your content in is. And it's either going to be static or dynamic. If it's dynamic, I think you'll have the choice. I mean, there's going to be competition, but it's going to be for sure Gutenberg. Hello. And then it's going to be which of the other surviving page builders. And they're all going to go to a dynamic model of grabbing the content from the database based upon some kind of a filter or you know, query. And then if you're not really knowing what the heck that is, there'll be pre-made stuff that you could pick from. But if you know what it is, you'll be able to adjust it, you know, do my adjustment of what I'm querying the database or the post type on. And that way, the same block that my client can use, I can tweak and give it to them in ready to use format. But I don't see any reason in the future that we're going to have a debate about like, I made a new theme. That's just ridiculous. I mean, other than automatic maybe making a go at trying to get all these, you know, uh, newspapers and stuff to pay them 10 grand a month because those people don't want to deal with it. But inside, probably the automaticians are all going to be just doing this, let's make sandwiches out of the same, you know, deli. Except are are you going to do that for every single separate page of your website? I mean, the the point of having a theme was was that you had something that would automatically appear. No, that's my point. My point is today, the way we service our clients, we make a TV dinner, right? We do it one time, make it a TV dinner sandwich. We do it one time. We serve the same sandwich to everybody, but they, I don't want turkey. Okay, we swap out the turkey for ham. I don't want mayonnaise. Okay, we give you mustard. We don't remake the same thing. Every single one of the last thousand of my clients started with the same stack of stuff because I long ago grew exhausted from, mm-hmm. oh, the client wants this theme or that theme. It's like, for God's sake, let's just use whatever, Divi and this and that Do and call it a day. Maybe, maybe we are accidentally, unintentionally shifting that exhaustion uh, off of ourselves and onto users. We are, having, we are asking them to make their own sandwiches now. We are giving yeah. them the tools to make their own sandwiches without really knowing whether or not they want to. Yes, because one of the conversations that come up, and that's a really good point, I have this exact wording come up. I say to clients, and this is fact, I'm not BSing this. When you have a membership site, marketing automation, e-commerce, people want the content. They want to get to your stuff fast. They don't want the old days of of flourishes and doilies and purple with pink polka dots. They want big, bright, white, clean, open, mobile, etc. I say, I will put on your logo and I will select a primary color. But the reason I'm giving this to you in a way that you can fiddle around with, so you and your local designer friend can go at it all day long and make it anything you want it to be, get me out of there because I'll spend a week trying to put pixels that look right in a place where I could do 100 websites from a TV dinner mechanically and make 100 times more money. So absolutely shifting it to the client, as long as they have tools that they feel comfortable with, the outcome is going to be good. And I think that's where dividing out the function of a themes like WYSIWYG wait, wait, control. Wait, 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 wait. 
the outcome. Do, do you not remember GeoCities? <laughs> I don't care, honestly, if everybody's page looks like MySpace because the people who win and lose in business, there's, there's a car company run by this lady in China. I think it's in China called Ling's Cars. We've joked about it on the show. It is madness. It is like MySpace in a hallucinogenic dream. That's how but websites probably, are in China. I'm saying, if the client believes they want that, let them have that. But what would be the conversation for me as a professional would be like, you pick what colors and brands you think are good for you. My advice is people are upset if they can't get to your thing. You know, like remember the old Chinese food menus where you want, it was a flash that had to load for six minutes before you could make your order. If you want to interrupt your clients with all this stuff, great. But that has nothing to do with the mechanics of the site. And I think that we as professionals can give advice. And if client needs us to, you know, set it up, we'll use a model. We talked a couple of weeks ago, months ago with Morton about how like every single website looks the same now, whatever the base theme is. And there's a reason for that. It's just like why the phones all look the same. It's because we've all arrived from trial and error. This is the thing that most people well, want. Yes. No, it's, it's, important we... to have a, it's important to have a consistent interface. But, you know, a lot of the clients that I work with today, they don't want to mess with it themselves. They want it to match their brand style guide. They want it to be easy to use. They're, they want it to, uh, you know, accomplish their business goals. And those are not things that they want to spend time figuring out. You know, it, it's like, yeah, and basically, I don't want to make this sandwich. I'm paying you to make this sandwich. Charge them, charge them a la carte for it. So essentially what I'm saying is like, I agree with you. Here's the way you can do those things yourself. If you don't want to do it, I'll charge you, but just understand the difference. I can give you all the function and mechanics that make your business succeed here and then do this yourself. If you don't want to, here's what I'll charge you. And I'll have somebody, I'll have somebody who's not me do it at a premium markup for me, whatever it is per hour, and we'll design it all day long. But it's a separate task. Whereas in the past, my argument was the themes design was an integral part of the mechanics. And then there was the whole argument of what is the themes mechanics versus a plugin versus functions versus that's no longer the issue. Now that, that yeah. design stuff is pinstriping. Yeah. And that's the way I, I, I want to go for a break, but I just to say, um, A, uh, Spencer, you've made me extremely hungry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, really, I'm bloody stoked now. All this I don't know, you made me bloody angry. And secondly, like always, I I agree with um with some of the things you say, especially ending, but I also agree with Sally. And this happens all the time with you when you know with these discussions. Well, we're gonna go for our break, folks. We're we're gonna come back and hopefully the second half is gonna be as good as the first. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com just like the podcast we're coming back I didn't let John say anything but hopefully John you don't hold that against me I thought we needed to go for the break and go to the next story on to the next one uh, um, oh yeah uh, um, Kikelis, uh, um, why people don't get wealthy um what did you think of this one, Spencer? I thought I'd throw it over to Spencer and then I'm going to give it to John. Yeah. Right. At the risk of being ostracized from a community that I never wanted to be in anyway, I had some personal contact with Jason Kalkanis in my early days of online endeavors through that, that, that $100 million funded company called uh, Ning. And uh, there was also the TechCrunch days. So I've had the blessing or the curse to have actually had stories written about me and my companies in TechCrunch back then. And I will say this. There is a different universe in Silicon Valley than the rest of us are living in. I'm from Chicago. I'm from Silicon Chicago. Valley is between Pamela Anderson's breasts. It's Silicon Valley. <laughs> I call it Silicon Valley on purpose to be facetious, but I appreciate the grammar correction nevertheless because you are right. In Silicon Valley, 
It is the fake world that none of us live in. For example, back when I was doing this thing, they had a thing called freemium. This was right 2006 with the birth of WordPress at the end of the social networks independent from Facebook. They had a belief that if we spent $100 million and got users, <coughs> just like we were talking about here with hosting companies, that somehow we'll make money from them. So in that freemium environment, the delusion was, and it turned out to be sort of real for them, you could make something nobody wanted, spend everybody's money and lose it, and yet become a hero because of some title. And there's, you know, there's lots of movies and TV shows about it. Point is, I think that I have nothing to say that would be bad about Jason per se, but he is one of the kings of the Silicon Valley of living in this hyper-reality where impression of who you are and who you know and what you say doesn't jive with what the rest of us have to do to make a living. You could not build a business with this mindset. The people that succeed, I would use Nathan Latka as an example. I'm reading his book. He's a hustler who goes out and sells real things to real people that they really want without taking money and builds himself up as a 29-year-old as a million-dollar-a-month you know, businessman. That's somebody that I think is a real-world emulation. People don't get wealthy in Silicon Valley because they didn't have his luck, his timing, his connections when he did, and nobody else is going to get in that door anymore unless they come up through those channels, whereas the rest of us in the real world actually can become millionaires, but through hustle and common sense of selling things people need to solve their pain. So, Yeah. What did you think of this, John? Yeah, just for the people at home, I'm going to read out what his list was. Reasons people don't get wealthy, partial list. And it was lack of skills, lack of taking risks, not building a network, poor work ethic, not reading books, giving up after getting beat down, fear, being born at wrong time, being born in the wrong country. Now, I'm going to agree with all of those except for poor work ethic because I know a lot of people that work their ass off. And unfortunately, if you're working for someone else, you can have a great work ethic, but you're not going to get wealthy. Uh, And I know a lot of people who are wealthy that don't particularly read a lot of books. Uh, Not that I I think that that... I know somebody in the White House. I know. I'm telling you. Yeah. Uh, But I'm going to add one to this. And this might be controversial, but um, generational wealth. And uh, I, I think there are advantages to starting, uh, say, if you have a, a mom or dad or, or someone in your family that has already established a business. Because I hate to say this, man, but I see a lot of people in, in the real world that, that they, they start out. Uh, with a leg up on other people and not through deserving it, but they, but they just have it. Uh, it's a lot easier to, to uh, get it when you already have an advantage like that. But I'm going to follow that up by saying, I think everybody has advantages and disadvantages. And I think the trick to uh, making it whatever success is defined for for you is recognizing what your advantages are and using them, um, you know, and, and not discounting them, being, being grateful for them, and using what you do have to get ahead. Yeah. Uh, you're going, I, sorry. Uh, well, when I, when I read his tweet, and I don't know Jason, uh, and it was reasons people don't get wealthy, which to me didn't read as reasons people don't get wealthy in Silicon Valley. It was reasons people don't get wealthy. And when I read his list, it, 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 it it read to me like a stereotypical, arrogant, rich, white dude making a tweet. Like, this is someone who has never really had to fight. Uh, someone who has never had to worry about the circumstance of his own life. You're talking about a lack of skills? What if you don't have access to even learn the skill? You talk about not reading books? What if you've never been in a library? Uh, you talk about giving up after getting beat down? If you are physically beaten on a regular basis, you will never be wealthy. Uh, being born at the wrong time or wrong country are the closest this tweet got to being anything that had compassion or uh, awareness of the things that actually prevent people from being wealthy because wealth is relative anyways. And so wealth for someone might be a hundred thousand dollars a year. It might not, it might be a, it might be a hundred dollars a day. We don't know. But the fact that this list was all frankly about how, I mean, really how, 
bad of a worker someone might be or how uneducated they might be. Completely, this is the point of the things that prevent people from actually getting jobs, building wealth, building connections, uh, et cetera. This whole thing makes me want to barf. Yeah. Gross. I think you put that so well, but I just want to... I was strongly tempted to slap the man upside the head, but... Can I just say something before you say something, actually, um, Sally? Um, I I totally agree with you, JJ, um, but there's part of me that loves Jason and really hates it. It's more polarised than my feelings towards Spencer, because I love Spencer. He's Uncle Spencer. (laughs) 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 But uh, um, but you got to understand a little bit about the background. You know, his father ran a bar in New York. His father, he saw his father be bankrupt for tax evasion. They actually, um, he saw his father being physically removed from the bar and the family losing their house and everything they lived in. And Jason's admitted that when, and Jason started with nothing. Um, he, he muscled his way into the tech um, world of New York and we were admittedly with his elbows. But he has become a very wealthy person and I think he's, he's forgotten his origins. He, he, he's now in this silicon bubble world and this is, this is how they think and this is how they see the world, JJ. Right. Yeah, because I mean, wealth to me is building the tools that let everybody else have be wealthy. Right, like let other let other people be educated. Let other people build off of what it is that you do. Uh, and he and and frankly, I wouldn't have had any of the success that I've ever had. And I will talk about more of this at WordCamp Miami uh, yeah. this coming. Weekend, but uh, it is because people helped me. Is yeah. because I had help. Is because people pick you up when you need help. Yeah. Not necessarily because it's money. Not necessarily because it's whatever but because someone recognizes that you're struggling and someone is willing to come to your aid and give you a little bit of a leg up. It doesn't matter if you're eight years old, 28 years old, or 80 years old. The only reason that you succeed is because someone recognizes that you're struggling and is able to pull you up from that. Um, and this doesn't mention any of that, frankly. Uh, so I agree with you. that it, it, While he may have come from humble beginnings, this, this one tweet does not characterize any of that uh, to me. Well, sorry to interrupt, Sally, but I, I just thought I needed to say it. What was you, the point you were going to make, Sally? Right. Um, <clears throat> partly that, you know, privilege becomes invisible to people who have it. It does, yeah. And, right. you know, this, and, and I, I was sufficiently irked to actually leave a comment on the, uh, uh, on the post, um, uh, although not in the, uh, the depth of rant that was in my head initially. Uh, but yeah, it seems sort of like, okay, these may be some reasons why people who have had the same opportunities I did did not become wealthy when I did. Right, right. You know, and it's just, yes, you know, he did start out, you know, from humble backgrounds. And we hear stories about this, about the people who, you know, they came from poverty and they, they managed, you know, often because they had a, you know, there was a teacher who realized this kid was very bright and, and, you know, kind of directed them towards something. There, there is always somebody who helps. Um, even if you don't start off with, uh, you know, inherited wealth and it's, you know, I didn't realize how privileged I was until, uh, pretty late because I spent a lot of time in an environment where most people were more privileged than I was. Um, but you know, I had an Ivy league education and, and graduated without any, student loans and uh, uh, so on. And, and uh, you know, I was super ambitious uh, and I got sick when I was 24 and, mm-hmm. and I'm ill for six weeks at a time often. And that's just like, you know, not the road to, you know, I, I cannot follow the paths right. that other people have followed or that I meant to follow. It doesn't mean that I necessarily am going to have a terrible life or, but uh, you know, there are things that happen to people. Uh, mm-hmm. even the ones who have advantages. And there are many, many more people who don't have the advantages and opportunities. And, you know, the reason we read the stories about the people who come from poverty and, and make millions is that it's so freaking unusual. Right. Yeah, that's why you listen. Um, my main um, um, 
apart from all, all the other objections, but also I'm a, I'm a little bit softer towards Jason because I've learned enormous amount through his podcast and through his writings. But there's two sides to Jason, like there's two sides to all of us. But my real main criticism of this piece, before we move on, and I was just going to see what John thought of it, um, is that he doesn't talk about luck. And basically, this is something that people don't like to deal with and don't want to see, is they they want to see that it was preordained because they did all these steps. But the reality is, in business, the main thing is you need to be lucky. Uh, you make your own luck, but you could have the best product. You can you could have the best um, plug-in and then two days later somebody with more resources that was doing that you didn't know about in Israel or some part of the world comes with another plug-in and you that's just a bit better than yours and they can market a bit better and you've wasted six, nine months of your life. That That's called the All luck right. of the draw. Well, or uh, that's um, not a bit better. Um, VHS and Betamax? Yeah, right. exactly. Right. Um, so as, some, as somebody who grew up in a Betamax home, yes. Yeah, great. I agree. Me too. So uh, I think people tend... What do you reckon, Spencer? Do people tend to dismiss that you just need to be bloody lucky also? The, the, I, I really like JJ's take on this because, again, although we're overlapping on the point, I don't think Jason Kalkanis is a bad human being and he certainly sure. earns everything that he's got. The problem is a complete lack of understanding of how or empathy for how the real world operates because he was at the right place at the right time in the 90s and his old relationship with Michael Arrington and everything else that happened put him in the position of leveraging his initial modestly good success, but nowhere, it wasn't like, oh my God, you know, the end of the world, best deal ever. It was just really good, reasonably good, boom. Uh, somebody today would have to take a different path. But the, after this discussion, the thing that bothers me most about this is that this just comes off as, white man's successful privilege posting. This is nothing yeah. more than, hey, let me let me unzip my pants and take a look at what I got in there because uh, I'm a multimillionaire. It's like, what the fuck are you posting this for? Like, what is the purpose of this? Is this to encourage those young kids out there living in, in a situation or a stay-at-home mom or dad that's trying to overcome or somebody that's got the next best thing, but they're working in a garage, working at McDonald's at night? No, this is you just trying to say, Hey, look at the size of my cock or something. Well, like that. the, 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 the purpose of it is, um, you know, all these kids whining about uh, socialism, uh, you know, should really be uh, aiming for and endorsing the concept of wealth. He's very anti-socialist. Wonder why. <laughs> Just saying. Hey, but so, like, let's not talk about the fact that the roads and the schools are all socialism or, you know, the bank bailouts or the farmer bailouts right. are all socialism too. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I just, not to cut you off, but I just want to throw this in here. You know, it's not what you make. It's what you keep. All those people in Silicon Valley paying like 5,000 uh, for a, a studio apartment. It's not what you make. It's what you keep guys. Be happy mm -hmm. with who you are, no matter if you're successful or not. And don't define yourself by your money. I wanted to shout out Rob McNeely, who has a screen capture in, in this post, who actually had the four most reasonable answers to this tweet, which was taking on debt, that'll kill you. Not saving money, that's exactly what you're talking about, John. Living beyond their means, that's exactly what you're talking about. And not investing, which... Is, uh, hey, there's nothing left to invest if you're right. living beyond exactly. your means and you've had to take in debt. That, that is exactly right. At the end of the day, the other, the other thing I would add on to that is, I have had the displeasure of meeting many of the people living in the bubble during those days and coming again from a different world, a Midwestern background. You have never met a, a larger number of unhappy people. Why? For the same reason, like in the movie Mean Girls or in any fraternity movie. Because when you live in a bubble where there's hundred millionaires and billionaires and only thing that is the, is the value of your worth in life is how much I have or what my next thing is, they are hollow shells of human beings. Whereas some people who've done really, really well financially, athletes and some artists in particular, who have shunned their wealth and gone to the simpler things in life, relationships and, and care of other people and giving and so on, have realized that whether you're a billionaire or a dollar heir, 
has no effect on what your life is about or how happy you are. So it would be more interesting if he posted a thing like, here's how to be happiest in life, or here's how to be, and if money was one of those things, great. But for many people who've made millions or tens of millions of dollars, they get to the end of the journey and they realize like, I've never been more miserable. And then they off themselves or something. Yeah, I, I, I classify myself as a hardcore capitalist, but I, I want capitalism with a human face. Uh, um, that's basically it. Um, and also, um, funny enough, um, it's linked to a, our guest next week, um, Brian Jackson of Kinster will be joining us next week. And he wrote a post recently that I thought was fabulous. It's my 15 years of failure. Uh, um, and what I learned from it and why I'm successful now. Um, and I think it's a oh, much better... I haven't seen that one yet. I have to you can have to read it. It's a much better article than this post from J- <laughs> um, Jason. And, I haven't uh, really actually thought about it. Well, Brian's a clever guy, isn't he, John? Uh, um, yeah. yeah. Well, he's a thoughtful guy, which is oh, he's, different from He's a clever. hard worker and he's, he leverages everything that he can and he's a good worker. Oh, I want to address, and I know we were like running late on time. We've got, here, one, we've got time for one more story or two, maybe quick. One. Okay, but, but let me just wrap this. You know what? The, the, the thing that he said about build your network. Yeah. There's a very true. important lesson here. A lot of us look at like, ooh, like if I could be in this, you know, circle of people or this click or that click, I would make it. You know what I mean? You don't need that. Find other people who are at your level, who are up and coming who have the same kind of values as you and make, you know, an alliance to help each other. That's all it takes. Yeah. Uh, I make your that. own damn click. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and JJ, I hope, what, I hope JJ, that works. That's pretty much what I've done. I hope that works. <laughs> JJ, yeah. JJ, WordPress isn't clicky, is it, JJ? Uh, it... <laughs> Has had its fair share of clickiness, but yeah, just like, no more or less than any other human endeavor. Just like high school, I try to stay completely out of all of that. So you like, do, great. Like, you I, do. I, I want to be friends with everybody. I, um, think, I consider, uh, this is high praise for me. I can really consider JJ. Um, I listen to the podcast religiously and your writings, JJ, and I really do consider you the voice of reason in most Aww. cases. Um, very, and thank you I don't so, know that I deserve that, but I appreciate you saying so. Yeah, I do, actually. I do mean that. Uh, um, um, on to the next story. Uh, WordPress contribute, um, contribute, um, contribute... Contributors. Contributors propose shorter <laughs> time-based... Re- oh, no, laugh at me, Spencer. Uh, release cycles. Um, I need new glasses. I've seen the eye doctor. No, I've seen the eye doctor in two hours. I need it. Uh, um, it's looking at a screen all day. It's it's bucking my eyes up. Uh, um, what did you, what did you reckon about this one, Spencer? Go on. You know, I mean, this is this is a very tame story, but I, I would say it's just an interesting. Uh, this is one of those like, uh, how does your, you know, how does your car engine run kind of stories? I mean. It would be nice if things were on a regular basis because I suppose a lot of people would argue, hey, uh, I really can't deal with the fact that I have 100 clients and if you throw something in on an automatic update that's going to topple their you know, Jenga game, I'm going to be really working hard. But on the other hand, I don't know if two weeks, two months, two years, I mean, what's the cycle? I don't know. But something regular would be nice, but maybe with the contingency that it doesn't force itself on you. you know, Certain hosts like WP Engine won't even allow updates. I think you should be allowed the updates, but maybe have that on-off switch and maybe a dial that says, like, you know, how often do you want your clients to update or something? Yeah, I, I want to go on to the next story. But, um, but JJ, um, um, I think Chris Lemmer said, like, to, when, he, when he said, uh, when are we going to go down to the, we changed on this. He said, oh, in, and he's been, he's been right about this. I give him due, old Lemmer. Uh, he said. He said in a year, eighty months, we go back to the other way. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I had joked with Matt that, and I mean on the on the other podcast too, uh, that the only reason that we went away from time based releases for WordPress core is, and and I, I can uh, I, I can sympathize with Matt as the release lead for five zero and five one is that with Matt 
like myself, I guess, is just not good at sticking to timelines. And so if you were gonna if you were gonna say that WordPress 5.0 had to be out at a certain time, Matt probably wouldn't have reached that time, the same as I know that I wouldn't have reached that time. Uh, and so the only reason that 5.0 and 5.1, frankly, were kind of a little bit floaty is because that's how Matt leads. Uh, I mean, that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that knows Matt or any of the WordPress releases that happened before or when it was primarily just Matt or Ryan or somebody else. And so the fact that we've gone back to shorter release cycles again is should not be surprising to anybody because it isn't Matt running the releases anymore. It's a bunch more people uh, that prefer to have a little bit more structure and prefer to be held accountable to... Uh, yeah, but JJ, JJ, who is this we? <laughs> I, I noticed in that survey from last week that, that they're very clear at stating it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, who's this week? Um, I'm going to have to drop the last story, Sally, but I will add it um, in next week's list of stories. All right. Um, let's go on now for tips. Um, my tip is Web ARX, and I, I've been using it on all our clients' websites now. It's um, it stops hacking. Um, it's a SaaS-based um, tool that monitors your website for attempts to log in. It's just superb, and I was recommended to use it by Adam from WP Crafter. I was using some other solutions, and it's our main security element that we put on all the client sites that we're supporting. So um, I can't highly recommend it. Great team. Uh, I think they're getting a good reputation in the WordPress and it's Web ARX. Um, so, um, and uh, I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes. Um, Spencer, have you got a tip at all? Yes, I posted up here. Perfect timing with our topics today about the evolution of the deli sandwich of themes and so forth. Oh, when, when, you, when you have a client, it's called Blank Slate. It's in the repository. I put the link up there. It's a one-off thing. But when you have a client who has already built a Frankenstein monster to scare children at the park with, and then they need you to do landing pages, let's say with Divi, Beaver, Builder, Elementor, when you go to bring them over, a lot of times they don't even have access through FTP, SFTP to allow you to do anything to a child theme. They don't have a child theme. And you don't want to go there because if you disconnect something, that Frankenstein, God knows what's going to leak out of it. This plugin essentially allows you to use the template hierarchy, hijack through function PHP essentially, or whatever, the, the, the template so that you can essentially have a blank canvas onto which your page builder works. And we use this successfully with such a client this week where otherwise it would have been a nightmare of epic proportions of having to either charge them more to do a child theme and so forth, or, you know, give them the bad news. And so it's a great band-aid for those of us in transition where clients come to you with something that's nasty. Right. Sally, have you got anything you'd like to share with the listeners of uh, yours? Uh, yes, my, uh, my uh, tool for this week is, is quickforget.com. Uh, that's my mind, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it could uh, certainly be the theme song <laughs> of my brain. Uh, but it's meant for uh, sharing things like passwords uh, that you can set it for that, like you know, a certain number of visits or a, or a certain period of time. And then it generates a a, a link, um, and it, it, this is a tool that uh, I heard of from some colleagues who were discussing the fact of you know that they had clients who would like email them uh, or uh, their uh, credit card numbers uh, and stuff because, you know, it was too confusing to purchase a plugin. And God knows if it was from WooCommerce, I understand that. They make it harder to buy something that, than it is to return it. Um, and uh, so that if, you know, you need to send somebody something securely, uh, you can use this and uh, pass on the, the info or they can use it and pass on the info uh, to you. Uh, that was great. Um, put all these into um, the Slack channel, Pan, and it's saying, JJ, if you've got one, put it into chat. Um, John, have you got anything um, this week to share with the listeners, viewers? Yeah, so there's this, uh, there this guy <laughs> that has recently come across my radar in the last few months. His name is Brendan uh, Hufford, and I believe that he is head of marketing at Click Studios in Chicago. I might have his title wrong, uh, 
Yeah, I've come uh, across him. I've come across yeah. him myself, actually. I think it's yes, funny. Yes, yes. Yep. Uh, but anyway, he's doing a project called 100 Days of SEO, and you can find it at 100daysofseo.com. And he's putting out a video every day on YouTube. Uh, and from what I've seen so far, they look pretty good. So uh, I would encourage you to go check that out. 100 Days of SEO, my God. Oh, it, oh um, John, JJ. Have you got anything that you might want to share with the listeners and viewers that you come across recently? My tip to our listeners and viewers is to get more sleep. <laughs> True, actually. You know, I felt a little bit under the weather yesterday and I slept pretty much all day. And I feel great today. That's go. my tip. Sleep yep. is uh, underrated. It is, definitely. True well, that. <laughs> um, we've had a great show, folks. I, I think we covered some great stories and um, we had a great discussion. Hopefully you join us next week. Um, like I say, we're going to have Brian Jackson joining us from Kinsa, like JJ, a friend of the show, and also Kinsa is a sponsor of the show. Um, and we'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.